five, four, three, two. Whoa! They're going to steal our dinosaur! Welcome to the Sunday Movie Marathon. I'm Max. <laughs> I'm Chris. I'm Darcy. And this is episode 56. And that was a great quote from that movie we watched the other day. <laughs> um, the one about the dinosaurs. The, the Going um, missing or something. Uh, one of our dinosaurs is missing. That was what it was called. Yeah. We were, great yeah. film. <laughs> no, it wasn't really. <laughs> yeah, we decided because um, we weren't doing a marathon that week because we were doing the full... We decided to meet up anyway, have a few drinks, and watch this movie that Max got given um, from work. And yeah. it, was, <laughs> it was like it was funny for the first like five ten minutes because of how like obscenely racist it was. <laughs> like the villains are like clearly like American actors with like their eyes taped up, so they're like Chinese or something, and they like speak with like that really really obviously stereotypical and fake accent. And that was... stuff was really funny, but and then it just like it was just that there was nothing more. I feel like we should clarify here that it wasn't funny. It, it was, was just... funny. No, yeah. I mean the how, racism like... was pretty funny up to a point, you know. Yeah. And then it was funny because at some point it just stopped being funny, and it was just racist. Yeah, it was racist and boring, which is although there was worse. that that one point where Chris went to the toilet and they were like. Um, karate chopping, like um, stone no, bits yeah. of the wall. I came back, <laughs> came back to see that <laughs> they got out of I, prison by karate chopping the the bricks of the. I actually the can't walls. believe that that was a film that actually happened. I can't believe my boss gave it to me. Yeah, like, I'm so confused. Take this, um, and watch it. It's very racist. <laughs> I was like, okay. <laughs> did they ever like? Did did you ever, like, did you go, oh, yeah, I've watched this film. Did they ever, like, say anything about it? Like, oh, I didn't think you'd watch it, actually. No, I don't know, really. I, I just said, yeah, it wasn't good, and it was very racist. <laughs> yeah, it was ridiculous. Like, yeah. <laughs> I told you. It was you. very boring as well. Really boring. It was boring, yeah. Mm. Bunch of old ladies stealing a dinosaur uh, bones. It was, like, Whatever. meant to be an hour and a half, and it just felt like four years. It was a while. We could have watched like a good movie in the time. We had like planned to watch another good movie, but then like we were just too tired after that. Yeah, we were going to watch One Cut the Dead, but we were just so exhausted. It just sucked the life out of everything that film, to be honest. Yeah, a Tom Benny review of one of our dinosaurs is missing. Don't watch yeah. it. It's like a Disney movie as well, but I don't think they have it on Disney Plus because I guess it's too racist. Yeah, it's probably too far. I mean, people really liked that movie when it came out. Yeah, it's like how they've got that film, um, Song of the South, which they've never officially released because it's like meant to be really racist because it's like about slaves on a mm. like farm or something. It's like uh, Disney's Birth of a Nation. Yeah, kind of. <laughs> oh no! Wonderful. Well, I'm not going to watch that ever. Um, <laughs> Neither me. I don't feel the need to watch any of those kinds of movies. You kind of know what they're going to be going into them. So Chris yeah. and I saw a movie uh, today, as we're speaking, um, and we went, and it was midday. We went to our local cinema to see Spencer, directed by Pablo Lorraine. I hope that's I'm probably pronouncing that wrong. Um, and it was uh, it was a movie. It's about 
Well, Chris, you liked it the most. Why don't you explain what the movie's about? Yeah. So the film is set over um, three days, like Christmas Eve, Christmas Day, and Boxing Day. It's all about um, Princess Diana, who um, has gone to this basically this huge mansion where all the royals stay, um, spend Christmas together. And it's kind of just all about her starting to become really, really sick of the tradition, starting to suffer from bulimia and her mental health basically plummeting and her wanting to rebel against this life that she's grown incredibly tiresome of. I think that's the like the basic sum up of the plot. Pretty much. Yeah. And it was awesome. Yeah. It was a fantastic movie. I didn't really know what to expect going. I mean, I kind of had my expectations subverted a bit because I kind of thought it was just going to be like a, a good biopic, but it turned into something a little bit different. Um, I was kind of worried that it would perhaps glorify the royal family a bit, but it doesn't at all. It doesn't at all glorify the royal family. If anything, because it kind just, of does the opposite. Yeah, it's just like a character piece about Diana, um, who, I mean, being honest, I didn't know all that much about uh, before seeing the movie. Um, no. I don't know, like, loads of reference point. I, I didn't, like, grow up knowing about Princess Diana. That was a bit before my time. Um, but this, I suppose... Yeah, it only takes place over three days, um, and I feel like you get a lot from uh, just who she was as a person, I guess. Yeah, definitely. I think they do a really good job of um, kind of showing this like portrait of her basically at her lowest point and just what makes her the person she is. And I think a lot of that comes down to um a just how like really really great i think the writing is and also how incredible Kristen Stewart is in the movie yeah this is her best performance i feel yeah by far like it's really crazy we watched like twilight less than a month ago that all the twilight movies yeah. now like moving on to this it's like basically a completely different actress like she completely disappears into this role there was multiple times where i just like would just remember oh yeah that's like the girl from twilight because it's she just like just disappears yeah she, she nails the accent yeah not a lot of american actors can do i refer to like matt damon in the last duel whose accent is shocking because he can't do it at all but she's like she never once falters i completely didn't even think yeah that's Kristen stewart on the screen and was like yeah this is just she's melted into the role really made it something very powerful to watch yeah i think it's probably my favorite performance i've seen from anyone this year hmm oh yeah i might agree honestly yeah kind of i was like it's just kind of in awe of it i mean how long is it like two hours ish yeah i I think it's like a couple minutes under two hours yeah i could have just watched it the whole day really was not sick of it at all ever and that really that really does say something um it's always a testament to you know the acting is a testament to all the great writing it was written by a stephen knight uh it's really good writing he wrote uh, for taboo and peaky blinders as well um i think he's he's a really good writer um and also i've not really seen much of pablo lorraine's uh, work before but i don't really have much to compare it to but i thought the direction was bloody spot on yeah, definitely. Especially like on the visual side, I think it looks really, really 
really stylish and interesting. I think they do a fantastic job of really nailing the period it's like set because it actually, mm. for most of the movie, it looks like something that was filmed in like the early 90s. It doesn't feel like something that was filmed in like 2021. Yeah. I think I took a bit of issue um, with like, I guess our screening was like a bit out of focus. It was quite annoying. So I like had to go and get someone to fix it. And I think they did. But it's it just kind of felt a little bit too blurred, and maybe that's to do with just how it was filmed and how it was shot. Because it's what did you say, sixteen millimeter film? Yeah, I think some yeah. of it's thirty two, but I think the majority yeah. was sixteen. And you can tell. I mean, obviously they're going for that period of time. Um, it would look it would be weird if it was shot on digital. If you're going to capture this time period, I think that's the way to do it. But at the same time, I think my experience was slightly dampened by the fact that, I mean, just shots that seemed completely out of focus. And it's not really the fault of the movie. It's the fault of like the experience that we had while we were there, which is a shame because I wanted to be more involved with it. But I just uh, I, I couldn't really get over that. I was just constantly like sat there like, what the f- what's happening? <laughs> Why is this yeah. happening? So I had to get up and ask someone. Do you think you'd enjoy it more if you could see it, if it wasn't like that? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, because I kind of was just sat there being quite annoyed. Um, even though like the the movie itself, I was like, yeah, this is actually really brilliant. But I, I this is annoying me. This one part is annoying me. Um, and unfortunately, it's sadly not anything to do with the movie at all. It's just yeah. uh, the, the cinema we were at, uh, which is a shame. Yeah, I think I was able to look past that because I was just like so encapsulated in the story and in these characters. Yeah, I mean, other than that, I mean, it looked fantastic anyway. It's just it's really great color palette, great costumes. They really honed in on these these costumes that they're uh, making Diana wear. It's like, oh, here's a costume for breakfast. Here's a costume for uh, lunch and dinner, and here's the evening dress, and here's all this and that. It's very you feel like uh, sometimes in biopics you don't really draw much attention to the costumes, but they really, really good work. And especially because these are not really... I mean, it's beautiful costume design, but at the same time, you're not supposed to feel like it's good for her, you know, because she doesn't yeah. really want to wear these things. and like they, She's kind of being paraded around. Um, when I got like a very lonely feeling from the movie overall which is quite a cold feeling and they say there's a big emphasis on the fact that they won't turn up the heating in this um uh what is it sandringham state uh won't turn up the heating i was like wow everyone's always cold they just give them coats instead of turning up the heating <laughs> but i think that also contributes to the environment and just like the experience is quite a cold experience for diana herself uh and no one is particularly kind to her She's quite isolated. I mean, she's got like one friend and her sons, but that's about yeah. it. Yeah, I felt like a lot of the movie was just kind of about how like the royals and even like just the idea of us having a royal family. It's like such a tradition. Like it's not something that's modern. It's very, very like old feeling. And I feel like a lot of what it felt like they were trying to do with the movie was like present Diana as almost like the complete antithesis of that. Like someone who is very much of today 
and like of the people and has basically been sucked into this world of like tradition and all of this stuff. And I think they do a really good job of like displaying that throughout the movie. Yeah. She, I mean, she was loved, she was adored by the people. Um, and I, I agree. It's quite trying to, uh, present this idea of like antiquated, uh, models in, in like our society. You know, I don't, uh, I don't feel like we need a monarchy anymore. No. It's quite an antiquated, outdated view. It doesn't really quite fit into society as we're doing it now as we're moving further towards like, uh, well, you know, like sci-fi, you know, it's like you get all these different advances in technology. It's like we're moving forward and suddenly, but at the same time to coexist with something that is stuck in things you'd quite uh, understandably relate to the medieval times, you know, with kings and queens and knights and all, all the lords and ladies. It is quite strange that these still, things still exist to me. Um, so I do think it is, it is trying to uh, push the, that kind of idea forward as well, which I quite like because I don't, I, I, I was quite worried that it was kind of going to be like a jerk off session for the monarchy. Yeah. But I'm yeah, I was also worried about that. Yeah, I think even like all the characters in the film seem like from their dialogue seem very aware of the situation that they're in. Like there's a really great scene where um like the queen goes out to walk her her corgis and um die like chases after her and's like I really love the dress you're wearing and she's like you have a lot of pictures taken of you. The most important picture you'll have taken is the one that they put on the £10 note because it makes you realise it's currency, that's all you are, or something like that. And that was like yeah. really great dialogue that was just kind of summed up just the royals, I think. Yeah, oh, it really stuck out to me as well. It was very good. There was also a line where Diana says um, she's like going to interrupt the the, the, the men's uh, pheasant shooting. And she has a great line before she goes there and she says, will they kill me, do you think? I was like, yeah. <laughs> oh. Because <laughs> obviously there's a lot of um, uh, scepticism and ideas about perhaps that that's what they did. You know, they kind of, like maybe they orchestrated her death. Um, so I think that was probably, uh, that also like struck a chord with me on like a different level than the one that it was trying to communicate in the movie, I think. But also, I do think it was trying to hint at that a little bit. Yeah, it definitely was, I think. Especially like in the later scenes where it's like, like, like the Queen and Charles are all like looking at her in like just such a like disappointed and disapproving manner as she's basically revolting completely against them. Mm-hmm. It was, it was quite strange, I thought, when it went into... I mean, I appreciated it, that it kind of goes down this eerie uh, direction in terms of its tone, and it kind of feels like a psychological thriller at times. Yeah. It's playing with like these weird, like st- strained orchestral m- music sounds, and it's just like the, the horror that she's feeling, and uh, she doesn't feel at home, or she doesn't... She feels very lonely, and it does play on that a lot, and... I guess you're with her, her throughout it all, so it does play on like the psychological element, and it's, it comes across as across as a uh, quite creepy at times. Yeah, because like, there's a lot of bits where she's like she just like almost 
you can tell she's almost fearing for her life because she mm. um, like is reading a book all about Anne Boleyn and starts like seeing like, hallucinations and dreams of Anne Boleyn being there and starts like seeing herself and seeing these parallels between her life and Anne Boleyn's. And I thought all yeah. of that stuff was really great and some of it was really, really creepy as well. Mm-hmm. I love that as like a, a comparison, I think. It was also very interesting to see this like, huge portrait, this painting of King Henry VIII, like almost in the next scene when she sees yeah. Anne I was like, wow, why do they have that there? He was a horrible dude. Why do they have that in, in this room? Yeah, I guess they just love anyone that was a king or a queen because they're part of history, I guess. Yeah. I understand we need to learn about these people, but I wouldn't erect, you know, statues to them and I wouldn't present huge paintings of them because they were quite horrible people. Yeah. There was, um, hmm. I'm going to go into spoilers. Just a warning. Uh, because there's quite a horrendous scene in this that I quite likened to something uh, that, that was, it was almost like Hanukkah-esque in yes, a way. This it, like the trigger warning scene. Yeah. Where I, I almost jumped because she, she like, she, yeah. she, the, the curtains have been sewn together and she, um, she's got these wire cutters because she wants to go out of the grounds and go to her old house on the Sandringham estate where she grew up. So she's got these wire clippers. And because the, uh, the curtains have been sewn up, because apparently there are like people on the grounds, there's always this allusion to like uh, people on the grounds that they're trying to take photos of you, Diana. She cuts open the uh, curtains again. And she just kind of stares out the window. And it's kind of reminding me of like the piano teacher in a way. She just gets the wire clippers and like clips her own arm with them. It was horrible. Yeah. She really fucked up. <laughs> but I really loved it. I was like, it was so uncomfortable. And I, yeah. I don't, I, I was like shocked, almost gasped. Um, but that might have been like one of my favorite parts of the movie, to be honest. Yeah. There was another was like sh- really disturbing bit. There was like, it, yeah. it was just a dream, but she like, um, it's like the first time she's gone for a meal with them and like everyone's like just eating this soup and she's just like staring at it, unable to touch it. And she just rips off like this pearl necklace that's on her neck and starts like eating the pearls with the soup and then just runs to the bathroom and throws up. And that's a really fucked up bit. That was horrible. Yeah. Oh man. This movie's so good. Oh, I love it so much. Um <sighs> Do you know um there's like a candle scene candlelight scene uh where where Diana and Harry and uh William are sat around like candles and they're trying to play like this game. Apparently all of that it was quite a, a long scene, but it was all improv. Yeah, that doesn't surprise me. It felt no. very very natural. It yeah. You got like um the the kid who plays William kind of trying to make up a story. He's like stuttering on words a lot, um. But it felt it did feel very natural. I appreciated that a lot. Yeah, that was a really really sweet scene. Almost brought me to mm. tears. Yeah, these are like her kids are like her only solace in this yeah place because like and there's also like this big insistence on like n- nothing you say is like private in this place and like literally everyone can hear whatever you're saying at any given moment and there's a, an idea that perhaps like they can also hear her thoughts when she thinks them like not even her thoughts are private it was quite a sad thing to see because i i this is not like a life that you'd want really 
where you don't no. really have privacy. And it's very lavish and very, you know, glamorous. But at the same time, what's it all worth? Yeah, it almost felt like a statement just like against the idea of like being a celebrity or just being in the public eye generally. Like how mm. you basically just don't have a private life at that point. Everything is public. Yeah, that great scene where like she's like swarmed by the paparazzi as well. That was very overwhelming. Yeah. Something I also wanted to bring up was um, the score. It's all done mm. by Johnny Greenwood, who I already am a huge fan of because obviously in Radiohead. But like all his scores, I think he's done before, have been fantastic. And this one is like especially so. Like there's a really great mix of like orchestral stuff, electronic stuff, and like really weird jazz music. And I think it all comes yeah. together to create this very like at times eerie and atmospheric, but at times like almost like classy sort of feel that I think just really fits the tone of the movie. Yeah, I agree. Also feel like a little bit discordant at times where it was trying yeah. to go for m- m- more like an an eerie type of feeling where like you didn't really understand what was going on or like uh, reality mixed with. Uh, the the dream world in a way yeah there's like that great sequence where she like breaks into her her old family house and is like walking through like this like completely desolate dark like room and like the the music suddenly gets like super super loud and discordant and it's horrible it's like just really really overwhelming yeah there were points where I thought the music is super loud yeah but I kind of enjoyed that because it is going for more of a, uh, an intimidating feeling, something that's trying to take you over entirely. Yeah, to be fair, I think that screening was actually ridiculously loud for some reason. Yeah, it was. <laughs> it's weird, you know, because who goes to see movies on a Monday uh, at twelve twenty-five? There's a load of old people. <laughs> maybe, yeah. maybe I guess they can't hear. <laughs> that would actually make a lot of sense. Yeah, uh, I'm good to go on to ratings. Yeah, if you want. Yeah, I don't think I have much else to add. I would actually like to do like a fuller discussion at some point, maybe when it's out on Blu-ray and we can actually write notes and stuff. Yeah, me too. That'd be great. Um, yeah, really, really powerful movie. One of my favourites of the year. Just a really terrific biopic. There was not what I was expecting it to be in the slightest. I was kind of just going in because I thought it looked kind of pretty, and I like. I wanted to see if like Kristen Stewart was a lot better in this than she was in Twilight, but I wasn't really <laughs> expecting it to be this like really dark psychological drama that's at times really upsetting and disturbing. And yeah, I, I have really, really loved this thing. I think my gut's telling me it's a perfect 10. Maybe it'll go down on a second viewing, but I think that's what I'm going to stick to for now. Yeah. Twilight is also a world away from this and it was a very long time. Yeah. Um, She's obviously improved as an actor. And I think if it's like the level of performance we can expect from her, she's really going to soar, I think, if not already. And I think probably if she doesn't take home like a Best Actress Oscar, (laughs) come on. Yeah, Um, I was thinking earlier, I don't think there's anyone else who's going to take it. No, no, definitely not. Um, I was kind of thinking like when we were watching the trailers, uh, in the cinema, I was like, this is going to win a bunch of Oscars. Um, and at the time, I was saying it's kind of been like kind of cynical because this is like the kind of movie that the Oscars would eat up. But it, it's quite a different movie than I thought it was going to be. Um, yeah. But I would love if it won a bunch of Oscars, honestly. Costume design, fuck it. You know, cinematography, why not? It's really good. It's a really good movie. 
Yeah, if, if anything, I can see it getting actress, music, and director. Yeah. There are the three I think it's probably quite likely to win. Yeah, wouldn't be upset by any of that. Um, this was fantastic. Honestly, I loved it. Um, and I would like to see it again. I could watch it, you know, I, I said after we saw it. Like, I, I wouldn't even have minded if that was like five hours long. <laughs> I could have just lived in it forever. No. Um, it's really great. And I would love to see it again, uh, hopefully very soon. Uh, and hopefully the projector isn't uh, fucked up. I'll give it an 8 out of 10 for now. really liked it. Yeah. Although I know it's not Darcy's kind of movie, I actually do think she'd really enjoy it. I was thinking about going to see it, but then you guys spoke a lot about the film and now I feel like I don't need to go and see it. <laughs> Watch it anyway. There's a lot we didn't talk about. <laughs> I feel like we yeah. only actually scratched like the ice, the top of the iceberg of that film. Maybe. I was going to see if it was on this. Oh, no, wait. No, we can't. I have to wait. I forgot we were going back to looting, didn't we? Ugh, cringe. <clears throat> now we got some more movies to talk about. We, we, we did sci-fis, science fiction movies. Uh, so we all picked a science fiction movie to watch. Um, we got, what we got? A Scanner Darkly. We got Dead Man's Letters. And we got Her. And we're going to start off with Chris's recommendation. Take yeah. it away. So my movie is A Scanner Darkly, which is an animated movie directed by Richard Linklater, um, based off a novel written by Philip K. Dick. The movie is about um, Keanu Reeves' character, Bob Arctor, who plays an undercover cop um, who um, is set in like the not-too-distant future, apparently, where he's kind of... He's undercover trying to take down this drug rink, which he's kind of like the head of at the same time um but while doing so he gets himself addicted to this dangerous new drug that he's involved with and he starts to lose his identity and go insane because of it um i feel like we all had vastly different opinions on this movie yeah i would agree actually i think in terms of um chris basically said oh i think it might be a divisive interesting conversation and you know what Fair fucking play, mate. <laughs> yeah. Go on, Max. All right, I'll start then. This movie sucked. <laughs> I fucking oh, no. hated this movie. This was awful. Uh, I just I was so bored the whole time. Um, I didn't. I mean, it's an animated movie, but I didn't like the animation. I hated the style of animation, and that brought it down oh, a lot. It is vile. I agree. You know? I agree with Max. It, it was horrible. Everything it was very jarring. Is moving constantly. Things like hair and pillows. Things that shouldn't moving at all are just moving and i understand you know it's going for like a drug trip sort of thing but i didn't really i felt it to be a bit of a sensory overload in that sense it was a bit distracting thought, like, wasn't it just stay still please some things and I, I really did not like the animation at all um it looked like a video game you know it was like it was like a, uh, might as well be playing like the walking dead or something that's what it felt <laughs> like to me <laughs> I really like the animation, like for the exact reasons you don't like it. Oh, I think oh, it's man. vile. Like, oh, when you left, uh, when you left the room briefly, I was telling Max that I'm glad that like rotoscoping hasn't like fully caught on as like a phenomenon. If that makes sense, like not every film is doing it because it's so ugly and horrible. Yeah. <laughs> 
it's not I don't really like rotoscoping but I like it in this film because of I think what it's trying to go for I think I found I find it very very jarring Mm -hmm. and it is like a sensory overload but that's what I like about it it feels kind of real but incredibly artificial at the same time and I really enjoy that about it. See, I see what I see what you're getting at because I was thinking about it um, yesterday as I was because uh, I like to go to the toilet after the film sometimes just to sort of like debate like, in my own head about like whether I liked it or not. And I was just sitting there and I was like, <laughs> the and I was kind of is uh, Darcy yeah, time. After it the is. It's Darcy's mulling brain time. Uh, what I thought was I I kind of understood why they kind of went for that sort of animation style because especially with like um you know that that suit i don't even remember what it was called but um oh well the scrambling yeah the, suit. yeah um it kind of i felt like it kind of made sense in context of how weird it would look if that was actually a real suit just like constantly like changing um i kind of got it like in terms of their you know i i got i got the logistical reasons behind it but i just think it's ugly as fuck and i did not like it it's just horrible it's like watching like yeah, like a cutscene of like a you know when you're in a game and they do like little weird like animations in between. <laughs> like yeah. so fucking. I think terrible. The Walking Dead is like the perfect um, <laughs> example because it is like it does look like a hand drawn animation. Like all the characters have got like outlines and they're all three mm. D at the same time. Like it was really weird as well because there were points where I understand that isn't the concept that you draw on top of the video. Isn't that how it works? Yeah, so like the film was completely filmed like a normal movie and then mm-hmm. they just drew over it. I felt, I don't know, I felt like there were parts that I could almost tell. that I don't know whether this was just like me nitpicking at it, but I felt like there were parts of it that weren't completely drawn over properly and I felt like I could see things underneath. I mean, that might have just been me looking at it at a certain angle and like nitpicking at it. I don't it. think they used any of the original video in there. It just looked like it. I think it might have just been like the. It just looked eerie. It was just weird. I didn't like it. Yeah. No, I get what you mean. That's just like the reason I do like it. <laughs> I feel like this is going to be like a very much a Max says, oh, I hated this about it. And I'll be like, yeah, I agree. But that's why I liked it. <laughs> See, oh, yeah, I, I feel like you used to a kind of. Um, it's weird because I feel like you, you kind of like the same things. But then when it comes to like certain nitpicky things. Either one of you hates it and one of you likes it, and then there's just Sometimes me. Like, there's just a yeah, movie where it. we're like, the, the, "This is shit" or "This is great," and there's like no real reason to it. It's like just because of personal preference. But then, like these things do happen a lot. I think our tastes align quite well, though, uh, most of the time. But this, I don't know. Fucking hated this shit. Like, I, do, I don't really. I like Linklater's before trilogy, but I think that's the only. Ones I really like from him. I saw Slacker. I didn't really like Slacker either. I think he's he loves his copious dialogue, but I just don't think it yeah. really works here. I have no idea what any of these characters are on about. They're basically <laughs> mumbling and whispering to each other the entire time. If we didn't have subtitles on, I wouldn't be under be able to understand a, a single word they were saying. Yeah, that's actually my biggest issue with the movie. I do think it's a bit too wordy. Yeah. Oh, like, I'm. Be- <sighs> Yeah, like, like you said, Richard Linklater is someone who's known for like really extensive dialogue, um, and I do think and when it's about something that actually doesn't really exist in real life, it's quite strange. It's quite jarring. 
It's like, well, what am I supposed to relate to here? Yeah, like, what I is, feel like... <laughs> yeah, it's just drugs, I guess, but, like, that's that's kind of it. I feel like this almost had that same problem that the card counter had, where, like, I don't know, I don't know about you guys, but every interaction kind of just felt, like, really, like, off-putting. I don't know, like, it was one of those things where it was, like, they were chatting, but, like, the conversation, like, didn't really make any sense to me, or it just felt like, especially with, like, um, I understand that they're meant to be, like, massive druggies, so, like, they're meant to be, like, quite incoherent, but there were parts where I was like, what the fuck is even going on anymore, like... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I don't understand. Yeah, I think in a lot of cases that's kind of intentional. And like in those cases it's kind of like you either like that about it or you really don't. I don't even I don't even like hate it as such, but I did find it quite distracting or like really unintentionally hilarious, especially like when poor um whatever Keanu Reeves character was, when he's all like brain frazzled from the fucking drugs and he's just like, yeah. Yeah, Thanksgiving. Yeah, yeah, Christmas. And yeah, I'm like, oh that my is god, kind I of hate funny, it. <laughs> I, I was it's just like, like it's what? sad, but it's funny. It's weird because You've I know got the that wide I'm open to... mountains out here, man. I like yeah, like I feel like I'm yeah, meant and to the feel... air is really fresh, really clear. <laughs> I like <laughs> yes, air. Fresh. Oh, okay. <laughs> I just I don't know. Like I I feel like you know when you're supposed to feel for for, you know supposed to like characters and things but i don't really like anyone in this film to be honest i just kind of really feel like they were characters no because they're all they're all you know it's an animated movie but they're all animated after they're modeled after the people who are playing them so it's like you know robert downey jr plays a guy who looks like robert downey jr uh keanu reeves plays a guy who looks like keanu reeves and the the rest you know woody harrelson and all the all the rest of those guys i that's also what kind of took me out of the movie it's like okay it's just these dudes okay I do think all the actors are really good in the movie. I think Robert Downey Jr. really fits the role he plays like super, super well. He's like this character who's kind of, he's very like self-involved. He's very much in his own head. He's like constantly rambling on about nothing. He's like, seems to like consider himself to be Jesus almost. <laughs> and I feel like that's kind of what he does really well. Um, it kind of reminds me in some ways of Tony Stark, but not in like not quite as cocky as that. Um, is the 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 archetype that he plays? Yeah, it yeah. is still like the archetype that he always plays, but I do think it's slightly different than some of the other ones. Sure, I mean he's on drugs. What? Because yeah. he's more of a loser in this film, I would say. He's yeah, like a cocky and, loser, and because of like how is like speech patterns are and how he's like constantly like acting like very anxious and talking very fast because obviously he's on drugs i mean i'm not gonna lie i was well excited to see that he was in this film but then i was just like okay it's him i don't know perhaps that's um, because it's familiar and you know what he's gonna be doing i think do what i think that's actually quite it's quite sad but it's true i i noticed that when i see certain Peter, like uh, actors, um, come up in films. I always expect a certain role from them, and a lot of the time it is exactly that. Like Tom Hanks. It it is exactly yeah. like Tom Hanks. I love that guy, but it's true. It's exactly the same thing every single time, and I feel like Robert Downey Jr. is one of those people. Yeah, I think Keanu Reeves kind of is as well. Yeah, he's like uh, I have to wear the scramble suit because. I look like a dope fiend, and you'd you'd not look kindly on me if you saw me. But he just looks like Keanu Reeves. <laughs> yeah, I guess he looks like a dope fiend. 
It's so oh, weird. Right. It looks nice. <laughs> yeah. I really like the performance from um, Rory Cochran, who plays um, Charles Freck. He's like their friend who, like, the opening shots of the he's film is like him, like, scratching bugs on him. He's like this very, like, scared, anxious guy. Who, like, is completely fucked up by the drugs and you can't really understand anything he's saying because he's, like, constantly, like, just screaming and shouting because he's, like, just so fucked. I think he's really good in the movie. I hated that beginning scene. I hated it so much. And I know it was, it, you know, it was made for me to hate it, but I just felt so itchy. I just wanted to itch. Like, I'm always itchy anyway, so it was just really unpleasant for me. Ew. I know. I like the part where um he he's, like, about to kill himself um, and the radios. He's saying Freck was going to kill himself and here's how he was going to do it. And then a yeah. guy with a thousand eyes comes up... For, from the floor or whatever and he starts reading him all his sins that was pretty fun <laughs> that's my favourite bit in the film it's so cool he like can't even kill himself He's he doesn't do it well enough so he's just he's there hallucinating forever yeah it's because he doesn't have enough downers or something I, I love that for him <laughs> poor guy <laughs> I don't really know what to say about this film to be honest it's one of those films where like I kind of liked it but I don't have a lot to say because I just, I don't know, I just, it was there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, don't I don't know. know. It's just people like getting high on drugs. I don't know. I didn't really care much for it. Um, especially like not really a sci-fi movie because I just, I don't, I don't know. It's just really about drugs and I guess that's not it's like really science fiction in, in and of itself but that is yeah. like the main part of the movie yeah it's mostly just like the technology yeah the i was movie, gonna say like is the it... scramble suit idea yeah. the yeah. idea of like um the death drug i think like when the original book was written this was like very very futuristic because obviously it was set decades after it kind of like mm -hmm. almost like completely predicted the um, war on drugs in America, which I feel like the film version kind of heavily seems to be inspired by. I mean, I can yeah. get behind that. I just, yeah, I kind of didn't understand the whole sci-fi part of it. But then um, I suppose it's just one of those things that it came out in, what, 2007? I guess it sort of makes sense. Yeah, I quite like the idea of the scramble suit. Same, But I don't sick. like the, the look of it in this movie. <laughs> I really like it. I think it looks really weird. I, th I think uh, I think that's the only time that the rotoscope thing made sense to me because I was like, imagine watching that in any other like medium other than animation. It would look so fucking weird. I think yeah. it looks sick. I actually quite liked it. It was quite entertaining. It has to be animated, or it has to be in a Marvel movie, which is basically animation. Like the um the scene where um what is it? Keanu Reeves has that girl around. And she's like, oh, you, you live with two guys, so you're gay? And he says, oh, I try not to be. That's why I called you here. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I thought you were going to talk about that bit where she's like, don't touch me, it's all the coke. Did you know I did lots of coke? By the way, I do a lot of coke. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, make, it makes sense later when you find out that she's also an undercover cop who's kind of trying to make him get addicted. Yeah, that was fucked up. What the hell? Yeah. Big reveal, eh? Yeah, She's a really snake. 
I was like, okay, it's her. <laughs> Do you know what the sad part is? Um, when they did the reveal, I just didn't really give a shit. <laughs> <laughs> when they did the reveal, I was like, okay, and that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Kind of saw that coming. <laughs> that was it. I was like, okay, that makes sense. But I didn't care. I, I don't know. I just didn't give a shit. Yeah, because like, the reveal on the movie is that um, Keanu Reeves, this, this, he's this undercover cop who's gotten addicted, and it turns out that... Um, it was kind of like forced on him to get addicted by like the hires up, one of whom is Winona Ryder, who is an undercover cop, um, basically the head of this drug operation. And they kind of just wanted to get him so fucked up that he goes into rehab and takes down this like rehab center where they're actually growing the drugs because they they kind of need someone on the inside and they're hoping that eventually his brain will fix itself and he'll be able to take it down. Well, that, that's quite that's quite a, a sad way of thinking. Like, I don't know. Because, like, what happens if it goes wrong? You just fucked him up. And then that's that, isn't it? Yeah, it's but sad. Okay. But, it, yeah, I feel like that's kind of what a lot of police people can be like sometimes. They don't really care if people get hurt as long as the, the case is solved. What, so yeah. it's sort of... So it's supposed to be like um, the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few. Yeah, I think that's kind of what the whole point of that. That is, is. a very philosophical way of looking at things. I like the end note about like how substance abusers should be helped and not locked up like criminals. I quite like that as like an end, an ending cap off. It quite yeah. kind of tied the movie together. For me, I feel like that's kind of what the film as a whole is going for. Mm-hmm. Like, because it's showing all these people who are like being slowly destroyed by drugs and aren't getting the help they need. Because, like, if they try and do anything about the fact they're on drugs, they're just going to end up in prison. Like, they show like the anxiousness of the characters and how they're like constantly afraid that they're going to get pulled over by the cops and get killed by them and stuff. And that's kind of what I like the most about the movie. That's what draws me to it. Hmm. Nice. Is there anything anyone wants to add? Should we go on to ratings? Yeah. Good to go to ratings. Sure. Short discussion, but there's not loads to say. Mm. I found that. <laughs> I love that. I found <laughs> out. <laughs> yeah, I picked it because I was like, oh, that's going to be a film with like loads to talk about. And then I watched it again and I was like, Actually, maybe not. <laughs> yeah, there's not a lot to do. I mean, there is. I mean, if you wanted to get into like the the nitty gritty of it, there's probably quite a lot to talk about. But I don't think we enjoyed it enough to actually get into all that. Personally speaking. Oh yeah, there's a lot of good Radiohead songs in there. Forgot to bring that up. Oh yeah, that was oh, at the end. I did a little fist bump. Yeah, like, woo! Black Swan by Tom York's playing. <laughs> there's like multiple bits where like random like B side Radiohead songs from the Amnesiac period like playing for some reason. See, that's your actual reasons for liking this movie. Yeah. And they all turn into a cockroaches and bugs. Yeah. Gross. Anyway, go ahead. What are we going to rate it out of? Cockroaches bugs. and bugs? Yeah, they sure. were neon green. Did they have a name? Bug. Bug. <laughs> rate out of bugs. Okay. Green bugs. <laughs> yeah, I like this movie a lot. Um, like Reflecting over it since we last saw I actually like it less than i remember liking it first time around i really really loved it and this time around i do still really like it but i don't think it's quite as good as i 
remember it being. Um, so yeah, I think I'm going to give it like a eight, eight cockroaches and bugs out of ten, maybe. It could but- go down on another <laughs> re- viewing, but I'm not sure. Where did sure. cockroaches come from? We I said should... cockroaches and bugs. Yeah, but we just said bugs. No, cockroaches and bugs. Okay, fine. Cockroaches and bums. <laughs> not for me. It's not oh. very good, I don't think. Um, and I was very bored, actually. So it felt like it was just really wasting my time. Um, and I didn't really appreciate really anything that was going for, aside from, I guess, like a few positives, but I don't know. I just wanted it to be over. Um, four cockroaches and bugs out of ten. It's not the um, worst thing ever. It's, it's, I don't know. Yeah, no, I agree. It wasn't the worst thing I've ever seen. Um, I'm not going to lie. It did actually feel a lot longer than it was meant to be. I swear it was only supposed to be like just over an hour and a half, and it felt... Way longer. Yeah, it's like an hour forty or so. Yeah, what the hell? It just felt like it was going on forever for some reason. Um, it's really weird as well because I can normally tell when Max is really hating a film, but I feel like he was just silently seething in this one. Yeah, I could tell. Oh, <laughs> I wasn't really. Maybe I just wasn't the paying fact enough he attention. He was completely silent, and I kept looking over him, and he did not look like he was having a good time. See, I knew about <laughs> twenty minutes in, he wasn't enjoying it. <laughs> Because it's like a lot of jokes in the movie that just I don't really care for, or that don't yeah. work for me. Me and Darcy were laughing a few times, and there was just Max completely <laughs> in silence. Maybe that should have been my indication, but I just maybe I was just focusing too much on what was trying to go on. Um, yeah, to be honest, I was debating whether uh, I was like hovering between the three and the three and a half out of five mark. So I think I'm actually just going to put it down to six bugs out of ten. Yeah, okay. Don't nod and put your thumb up at me, Darcy. People listening can't see that. (laughs) That's that then. They can imagine it now. Next up is my movie. I picked a movie. It's Russian. It's from 1986. And it's directed by a guy called Konstantin Lopakoshansky. No, yep, Lopushansky. Konstantin... Lopushansky, and it's called Dead Man's Letters, and it's about this dude, and it's after a nuclear explosion, and he's a professor, and he shelters in an underground basement with a bunch of others, and he writes kind of mental letters to his mi- missing or dead son, we don't know, he's, he's probably missing, or probably dead, let's, be, let's face it, and they, they pass the time together and trade stories and just wait to die, really. Um, what, yeah, um, I recommended this movie because I thought, wow, this looks interesting. Um, it's, got a lot, it's got like quite a high rating, um, but not by many people. So we watched it, and you know what? It was okay. It was pretty good, I thought. What did everybody else think? Yeah, it was all right. <laughs> yeah. Don't don't you don't look at me, man. Don't look at me. I didn't like it at all. <laughs> no. No. I mean, I think for me personally, I just um. I just couldn't get into it. Like, I, I really liked what it was going for because obviously at the end it kind of tells you, like, about, um, the, you know, anti-nuclear um, weapons and stuff like that. You know, um, I liked what it was going for, but I just, I, I was bored, to be yeah. honest. There's a lot I did like about it, especially presentation-wise. Um, I really love how, like, 
really foreboding and atmospheric the music is like most of it's like very low based like droning sound and it's really eerie and creepy and i do like the coloring as well um reminds me a lot of stalker because it's kind of a lot of it is just like the like the first like hour and a bit of stalker where it's like basically all like yellow and brown looking and it definitely really fits this like grimy completely like dusty like look that they're going for but yeah apart from that there wasn't loads to it i found that interesting um it does remind me a lot of tarkovsky and how very slow um it is and how like very atmospheric it is but the difference between like a tarkovsky movie is that even when it's like very very slow I'm still getting a lot out of it. I'm still like enjoying what's going on and getting a lot out of the characters and out of the messages and themes that are going on. Whereas in this, for me, it just felt like there was just a lot of nothing. See, I'm laughing because this because your film was shorter, but it felt so, no. Was it? Was it? No, your uh, Max's film was shorter. Your film just felt so long. I didn't even like this film, and your film felt longer. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Um, there's, I feel like. I felt like there was a bit more to delve into. Um, I got a bit more out of it. I do agree. I do like the look of the movie. It's got like this nice orange hue to it. Um, it looks like truly apocalyptic. They go to yeah, like I think like the most I was getting out of it was when they went onto like the surface because they're all underground, underground, down and down and down and down and and when they uh, go up to the surface, and it's all like desolate, apocalyptic. Yeah. It's ruined. Everything looks just horrendous, and I was like, "How the f- how do they do this? How do they how do they film this? Where are they? Is it yeah. like a set that they built, or is it an actual location? Because this looks amazing." Those bits were incredible. Like, mm. there's like a bit where there's like a completely like like a crashed, overturned bus, which is like completely destroyed. There's like corpses all over the place. <sighs> it looks really fucked up, but it's like. Really, really impressive how they managed to do it. Yeah, that's one of the only parts that I remember was that one scene in particular where they're literally panning over and there's just like dead bodies everywhere. It was so fucking creepy. It was. Carries quite a creepy air to the movie overall, I feel. Um, But perhaps mostly when they're above ground. Because when they were below ground, I don't know, I wasn't really getting much out of the characters themselves. No. I don't really care much for the characters. I don't think anybody has a name. Um, So I guess... I don't know. It's just like an allegory for like the people as a collective. But I didn't really get much from these guys. I didn't really find much to latch onto when it came to the characters, which is a shame. Yeah, they. Um, I know it was co-written by um, Boris Strugatsky, who um, wrote the original book Roadside Picnic, which. Um, stalker was based on and i think pretty much all of his um stories the characters don't actually have a name they're all named by their profession or something yeah yeah. there's only two character names in the whole film professor and humanist yeah or at least what's credited on letterbox is probably of course um that's a way to like explore ideas then like you you don't give your characters names because you want to like explore like the themes of the movie a bit more um i feel um, that's why you don't get names in like yeah. a Tarkovsky movie. That's why you don't get names in like a Darren Aronofsky movie because it's all about like the idea 
Um, but the idea in this, I feel, there's this kind of this celebration of humanity in a way. It was sort of getting a bit from, but it's nothing that I've not seen in any other movie before. Um, and also, like you said before, the uh, sort of anti-nuclear weapons type stuff. Um, I think there there was like an insistence on not making this set in Soviet Russia. So there's a lot of stuff in like the backgrounds uh, that couldn't possibly be from Soviet Russia at all. There's like stuff in like English language and uh, like, primarily English language, I think. So they were trying to distance themselves from that a lot, um, which I got a lot out of. But at the same time, you know, the, the, the parts that I really wasn't caring much for were like, you know, I appreciate its celebration of humanity in the way that it's, presenting these ideas that we've done a lot of uh, good for the world, but we've also done a lot of bad for the world, um, and we've accomplished a lot, but it's also, in the end, what's it going to matter if we're all underground and hiding from, you know, toxic chemicals in hazmat suits? What's it all going to matter in the end? Um, and that's a bit, a bit bleak, I suppose. There's, like, a line where... Uh, this guy sitting at the table, he says, a howl of desolate thinking creatures in a cold, uh, in the cold in an impassive space desert. I was like, wow. Yeah, well, this, like, you kind of got from that, like, that we're like this amazing species who have done so much, but when we're confronted with that oblivion, essentially, we're reduced to these small insignificant creatures that nothing ever meant anything that we did um, didn't amount to anything in the grand scheme of things, because Nobody knows why we're here on Earth. Nobody knows why we, we, we're just doomed to this kind of cycle that we're in uh, of like fucking the Earth up or like even why we exist in the first place. Nobody has these grander answers. Um, but I do feel like there was some kind of attempt at an analysation of that within this movie. Yeah, of course. But for me, it just didn't really click. Like you said, the all the underground stuff, I just don't click with at all i don't find any of the characters interesting at all i don't really care about what's going on although it's a very very bleak and melancholic movie it i didn't really like leave the film like being like super sad about like any of the characters dying or anything like that because there was just no one really for me to latch on to i felt like more just sad and depressed by just like the general tone and feel of the whole movie and just uh idea of just this completely bleak future yeah i don't think they really um delved any character stories there to be honest but i don't think that was really the whole point no there's that character who just decides that she wants to be like topless from now on for some reason yeah. wait what <laughs> don't you remember that yeah, you know the woman who walks around topless woman that just walks around with her tits out throughout the whole movie oh man normally i pay attention to that kind of stuff Oh, come on, Darcy. <laughs> I was paying too much attention to the fact that there was a dog wearing a um, like a little gas mask as well. There was a dog yeah. wearing a gas mask? Yeah. <laughs> I don't even remember that. Oh, okay. I don't remember it was that one at all. The, uh, one of the second things that I picked up on. Yeah. There was a part where the guy gets up from the table and he goes into his, his, his like room or whatever. Goes into like this hole that he's dug in the ground and he just shoots himself. Like, fucking hell. This that yeah. was bleak, but also didn't care about the character. It was a shame. No, I think there's the parts a lot of... that hit me the most were, um, I think there's a scene where I guess it's before the apocalypse or it's as it's happening, um, 
when the guy, the main character, he's um, he's in this hospital or something, and he's trying to find his son. And he goes into like this ward where all the children are like just howling in pain and agony, and you see like just like flesh being torn from them. That was pretty horrific. I found yeah. That was that's pretty the, upsetting. That's the best bit of the film, in my opinion. That was really, yeah. really haunting and disturbing. We just runs through the, the, the ward and just, like, screams. It was, uh, yeah, that oh, was yeah, horrendous. That was, that was fucking horrible. I just audibly went, ugh. Yeah. Because I didn't have any words to describe how horrible I felt. Yeah, I also really loved, like, just the look of um, the characters when they're wearing, like, the makeshift hazmat suits, like, having that gas mask on and walking around. I thought that was really, really creepy looking as well. Mm-hmm. They're like going around the like the uh, surface and there's a pretty interesting part where I think they're in and amongst like just a pile of books. Searching like this mountain of books and collecting books. That was pretty interesting, I found. Yeah. <laughs> It's a lot of interesting like, ideas. Yeah. It's a lot of interesting ideas. I think could make a pretty interesting, or like, really investing movie if if it was handled a different way. Um, but I'm not really emotionally invested in the movie as a whole because I want characters to latch onto, and because I want maybe a story that tells its own plot differently or like in a more cohesive manner. I suppose because. Yeah, I mean, at the end, you get the, the the main character who stays behind with the kids and celebrates Christmas with them. That was nice. That was sweet. But I didn't really... I didn't care that much, you know, about, like, the other people who had left them. He was just like, no, I'm just going to stay here. And I was like, why? And then he was like, oh, I'm with the kids. We're celebrating Christmas together. No, it's it's nice enough, but I'm not getting em- emotionally invested in it, I suppose. It's a lot to do with the imagery for me. Yeah, I completely agree. I don't think the film is super, super original. Like, I can think of other films that have done a similar sort of thing. Um, um, and I wouldn't have an issue with that if there was like enough really keeping me invested and interested. But apart from like a few bits, there isn't loads in here that I really enjoy. And it is a shame because I was like really interested to watch this movie. It's a movie I actually really wanted to watch because it sounded good. Um, I want to get into more Soviet cinema. Um, but yeah, I just don't think this is a great movie. Mm. Mm. It's just not for me. I don't. I just had no interest in it. But to be honest, films like that don't really interest me anyway for the most part because I find them way too bleak. Yeah. Yeah. So in that case, I think we'll go on to ratings. Sure. What are we going to rate this one out of? Oh, God. <laughs> I don't have light bulbs because there are a bunch of light bulbs in this movie that I think they play with a lot and it looks pretty cool. Yeah, that was a cool shot. Um, yeah, like I just said, I just don't think there's loads keeping this movie that interesting. I do think there's a lot of really great sequences and I do appreciate what um, the director is trying to go for. I just don't think it's executed all that well. I would actually um, I'd recommend a movie called When the Wind Blows, which is an animated movie from the guy who... Um, based on a, a graphic novel from the guy who wrote um, The Snowman. Um, and that's oh, like yeah. about, it's about this like old couple who um, think that 
basically a nuclear bomb's gone off, so they stay inside their house until they like slowly run out of food and start to die. It turns out it's literally mm. just them being super anxious um, because they're just like an old British couple who are kind of stupid. That movie, I feel like, kind of tackles this kind of theme of slowly dying as the world around you just like has decayed kind of better um mm-hmm. yeah I've also a very bleak movie um, yeah, also came out the yeah. same year as this really oh. <laughs> that's yeah. an interesting thought actually yeah that's a far better movie but <laughs> this is this still has its merits i don't think it's completely garbage I don't think it's a bad movie i do think it's a good movie just not great gonna give it um six light bulbs out of ten yeah i'll also give it six light bulbs out of ten i think a lot of promise in in its um themes and its ideas there's a lot of good ideas but ultimately execution wise and story wise and character wise not really doing it for me oh sorry (laughs) i didn't know if max was finished or not so i was patiently just saying you could notice by the fact that i stopped talking and then a oh, long yeah, yeah. silence just, proceeded You there. know, I was just uh, waiting a couple more seconds. Um, yeah, this just uh, this just wasn't for me. I had um, I liked the idea of the film because when I was reading it up, I was like, oh, that actually could be interesting. But then I watched it and I was like, oh, no. Um, but uh, based on that, um, I'm going to give it four light bulbs out of ten. Awesome. Da, da, da. And now... Um, I uh, picked a film that I knew that all of us had seen already and all of us quite like. Um, so I yeah. picked Her by uh, Spike Jones. It uh, came out in 2013. Uh, it's about a man called Theodore. He's going through a divorce and he basically starts um, having a relationship with um, these operating systems that have just been introduced and the kind of story around him and his relationships, I suppose. Yeah, I was annoyed when you recommended this, Darcy, because <laughs> I, I had seen it like the other week. I was like, "This is quite an emotionally heavy movie." I don't know if I want to watch this again for like the second time in as many weeks. Honestly, yeah. if I if I had known, I wouldn't have picked it. I was going to pick it, and then Darcy said she wanted to, so <laughs> I changed. <laughs> Either way, someone would have picked way it. Would have been picked. I guess. Yeah. Um, but yeah, this movie's fucking amazing. This is great. Uh, mm-hmm. Really good movie. Um, one of the better sci-fi movies to come out in recent years, I think, uh, in the past decade. It really gets to like portraying the Earth in a way that's very um, easy to imagine it would happen in the very near future, which I think is very interesting, uh, especially because it came yeah. out in 2013. Uh, was 12 years ago now um it's got a lot of great ideas going for it um and it does execute them super well and you know the emotions there it's a very uh thrilling movie in a way it's very um joyous it was also very sad and um upsetting at times um which is why i was hesitant to watch it again so soon because um i knew it was going to be it was going to be one of those just kind of like grips you by the balls and doesn't let go. <laughs> yeah, I feel like it takes you on a roller coaster, doesn't it? Like it takes yeah. you everywhere. <laughs> um, this is one of the best movies ever made, in my opinion. I think it's a really, really beautiful movie. It hits me 
um, on an incredibly personal level every time I watch it. I find it upsettingly relatable every single time. Um, yeah, Max was saying that like a lot of the stuff you can 100% like, see being in the near future. I remember when it, I watched it when it came out and I was like, oh, that could never happen. But like every single time I watch it, I feel like we're closer to it being a reality. Yeah, I, f- I feel like it could happen. Like when I first saw it, I went, I'm actually surprised that no one's doing this already. Yeah. I mean, I, I've seen it three times in the last year and a half. I think I watched it early 2020 and I was still like, uh, I guess it could happen, but it still seems a little bit far fetched. But in the last year, there's been such a huge like evolution in like, artificial intelligence and stuff now i'm at the point where i think this could happen in a couple of years time yeah the e-girls are out there people wake up (laughs) they're waiting (laughs) for you (laughs) what do you think darcy what do i think of this film yeah i love this film i was i I, it's one of those films right where i don't really get emotional at films that much um, well, not visibly anyway, or like not to the point where I actually like surface an emotion. But there's something about this film that's just so. There's something about like interpersonal like relationships that are kind of like wholesome, but also kind of sad, but also like really hard to describe. That kind of like hit me on a level to the point where it just it just makes me. I don't know. It makes me feel like pure human. I can't. I can't explain it. Like there are a lot of times where my I, I things I necessarily think of and things that I do I don't feel necessarily like all that connected to people. If that makes yeah. sense. But then I watch a film like this and I'm like, oh yes, I am a person with actual human emotion and I do feel like these people. And it, it's kind of it's sad, but it's real. And I just feel like. I don't know, I kind of, it sounds really like stupid as well, but sometimes when I'm watching a film like this, I like to think of people in my own life that I could like relate this back to and how how I would feel if that was me as them, if that makes sense. Yeah. I think um, very, very few films really capture that feeling of like loneliness and emptiness after like a... Um, someone leaves your life whether it's someone passes away or a relationship ends and i think that's one of the reasons it gets to me so deeply because it does it does take me back to how i felt going out of like bad breakups and stuff actually reminds me a lot of eternal sunshine um written by charlie kaufman who spike jones used to work with a lot because i feel like they that also kind of tackles very similar themes of just that feeling um, after a relationship ends and kind of wanting to pretend it doesn't exist, but eventually having to confront it and like accepting the like beautiful parts of relationships with people even after they end. Yeah, I feel like it's one of those films where it feels almost like an acceptance of like the human experience. It's like uh, we all go through shit, but we all go through good stuff, but we have to know and enjoy these people while they're here if that makes sense yeah that's why you can't really take people seriously when they badmouth their exes in a way it's like well why were you with them then if you think they were so horrible yeah of course there's something there what there's gonna be bad moments there but like it's those like really great formative memories that kind of change who you are as a person i feel like like, yeah you this and eternal sunshine really did a great job of like 
like portraying someone who's just coming slowly accepting just how important that is yeah i feel like that it it sounds kind of it kind of sucks like you know when when things happen and you kind of on your own if that makes sense but like i don't know i feel like there's like really important like lessons and like things that you kind of take from people like I feel like, and it sounds really cliche because I've heard people say this before, but I feel like every person is made up of other people that have been around them. Like you pick yeah. up things from other people and you just integrate it into your life and then you are an imprint of someone else, but then you've done the same to someone else. So I feel like everyone's just passing on like their own memories and like relationships with other people. I feel, I don't know. I feel like there's a, there's a special kind of relationship that people have and other people kind of integrate it into themselves. Mm-hmm. Well, it shows um, the relationship between Theodore and Samantha, who is like this uh, artificial intelligence, this OS. Um, but it also shows uh, the past relationship that Theodore had with his uh, partner, Catherine, played by Rudy Mara. And we don't really see the relationship as it as it happens it's not like it starts and they're in a relationship no he's actually he's he's going through the process of getting divorced but i do think it portrays that relationship very well in a sense that it it shows you different like flashbacks and all the great times they had together it's very warm and colorful vibrant presentation really enhances the movie overall you know sci-fi doesn't have to be all like bleak and like technology is trying to kill us this is very a very interesting uh, <clears throat> depiction of sci-fi. A very interesting sci-fi movie in the fact that it it portrays new technology as something good for for people. You know, it can be good for people. And I think it does. It yeah. does. It, you know, it has its ups and downs because um, it's portraying a relationship, and relationships have their ups and downs. Um, but I think ultimately. Uh, it's just really good at portraying something that could happen, probably will happen in our lifetimes. Probably going to get people going out with, you know, artificial intelligences. Um, but I like that it hones in on this relationship from the past as well, and we see how they got on together, and you understand how what Theodore's going through, because when you when you separate from someone, it can be very hard, and. You know, you do think about the good times, the bad times. Um, and I guess he doesn't really want to get divorced. You know, he wants to stay married. But he's kind of living in this fantasy world because the relationship's just not there anymore. But I found that to be very, you know, sad, but also quite reminiscent yeah. of just humanity as a whole. Yeah, definitely. I feel like a lot of the movie kind of says about how technology it does really enhance our lives but it wouldn't it can't really like take away from the facts that we are humans and we have like proper relationships and emotions and stuff like maybe like oh we could have relationships with technology that would like improve us as like a person but it doesn't completely replace um that connection that we can have with people yeah it's just um human desire though isn't it because you want to actually be like felt and with with another body i suppose whereas with technology it's kind of not like that i mean the closest i can think of to people doing this kind of thing is um like people who um you know people who like have relationships people in, like chat rooms and stuff but they've never met them yeah 
it's sort of like that kind of thing that I, I could get behind that because people do this now but it's just you know they've never met them that's the difference yeah. it's the age of the e-girl yeah <laughs> we're living in it do you guys ever be able to fall in love with a disembodied voice maybe thing? I mean I think I think it's I think it's possible I mean I feel like there's a I think isn't the film also going for there's a bit more to life than just I don't know, sorry, I've completely <laughs> I've completely lost it. Yeah. <laughs> like the physical? Yeah, I think I think yeah. there's like there's like elements of you can have these other relationships that don't have to be just because you've met someone. Like do you know what I mean? Like you can yeah, form you a physical like have a, a romantic relationship yeah. with someone without it being completely physical. Yeah. You can also yeah, like, have romantic you- relationships with people without expecting it to last forever. Yeah. But I think it's quite prominent mm. in the society that we're living. It's like, if you're with someone, you're with them forever. It's quite quite a monogamous society in that way. But with this, um, you kind of understand that perhaps it's not going to last forever. You know, I don't know if I could fall in love with a disembodied voice in, the, in quite the way that Theodore does in this movie. Because it's quite, you know, when you're in a relationship, you kind of want that physical element, I suppose. Yeah, do you know what? That but is not kind what of... you're getting through this. Yeah, like it kind of makes you think as well about like um I guess the expiry of um technologies like this. Like um okay, so Samantha from Theodore, all well and good, right? But then don't you get things like um system updates and then like companies go bust and then like these operating systems don't exist anymore. And then is that like essentially the death of a relationship? Like or do would you just go to another one because you could probably upgrade or something? Do you know what I mean? Like I feel like it's a bit of a it's a bit of a weird thing because obviously when yeah. when it happens with people, it's a bit more of a permanent change. Like especially if someone like dies, it's kind of like not quite the same though. If you have like a machine in a relationship, you can also rationalise that, you know. But there's a great scene in this movie where there's a point where Theodore cannot get hold of Samantha. He can't like hear her at all. He's just she's like this voice, this disembodied voice that lives in his earpiece, and he can't get a hold of her that's that's a terrifying scene because yeah. then it's like well she's gone forever you know I mean, he has no way of comprehending that because she's not she's not physical you know she's not i don't want to say not real but she's she's not tethered to a body and when a, someone goes missing in real life you could kind of rationalize that <laughs> but like this is like literally she doesn't exist anymore it could be yeah it's it's like what what ha- what happens then <laughs> you just move on. You forget it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but that's also like kind of uh, something you could tie to perhaps, you know, breakups is, you know, one day it's over and you got to go on with life. Yeah. They always, isn't there supposed to be like a statistic that say something like the first two weeks without, when you have, when you stop talking to your like partner or someone that you're really close with, the first two weeks is like the worst because you, you have that instinct to talk to them still, but you, either can't or you won't if that makes sense yeah or you will if you shouldn't yeah (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) that's the one exactly that's why facebook is the devil yeah just do that (laughs) i really really love the acting in the movie i think joaquin phoenix um delivers one of my favorite performances in any movie in this movie it's easily my favorite performance of his and i think like the character of theodore is like one of my favorite film characters if only because like so much of the movie i just like 
almost see a reflection of myself in him. Like, I just relate to him in so many different ways. Can you get a yellow shirt then? No. I'm just going to grow his moustache. <laughs> yeah, he's great. He's fantastic. Um, I think all the, all the acting in this movie is really good. Everybody knows exactly what they're doing. Um, they're very dedicated to the, the, the movie as a whole, you could tell. Um, and Joaquin Phoenix, yeah, he's playing this guy who's quite introverted, I think. He's quite uh, inside himself, and I guess that's why he turns to, like, uh, Samantha as, like, a relationship and as, as a partner. Um, does like a part where he he's trying to like tell his ex that he's seeing a an artificial intelligence and that's like horrible because she's she basically like tears him down and says like oh you know you yeah of course you're dating an os you know like you never it makes me sad that you can't handle real emotions you always wanted to have a wife without the challenges of dealing with something real i was like wow fucking hell but I kind, I almost agreed with her. I almost agree with her. But the yeah. great thing about this movie is that it presents this relationship with uh, between Theodore and Samantha, who's played by Scarlett Johansson, also really good uh, performance here, even though she's just a voice, uh, as something tangible, as something real, and something that uh, has its own problem. They argue and they, you know, they fight, and they have really good times together, and they do lots of stuff together. You know, it's uh, when you're in a relationship, it can feel like you're the only two people on earth you know and that's uh, i think it, it does portray that really well yeah i think um their acting is especially really really great in um like the scene where they first like have sex together well, where the it's fuck yeah yeah it's not really like them having sex but they're like basically saying what they want to do to each other and it's honestly like one of my favourite sex scenes in any movie. <laughs> it might like, be the best sex scene yeah, ever. It's like genuinely like really, really beautiful. It's really powerful, I think. I it's, felt really awkward. It's kind of funny. <laughs> Did you? Like, but it is just I think it's just really sweet. It is. No visuals. It's just their voices. It's just yeah. like black screen and their voices. And it was really well done. It was very yeah. well contrasted to like, wow, this is so powerful. And then you get to this scene where Samantha hires this woman who's basically like a prostitute who is acting oh, yeah. as like a physical body for, for Samantha to like become and like <laughs> Theodore's clearly very uncomfortable with this because it's not her it's, it's like someone else um, and that's a really good scene in, in terms of the way it balances different emotions you know you get like the anxiety of it you also get kind of the, the fear but also it's quite funny it's really like really funny as well um Especially when he's like, her, li her lip quivered. And she like starts sobbing and like goes into the bathroom. She's like, I'm sorry, I just love you guys so much. I wanted to be a part of your relationship. <laughs> I think um, their sex scene also like perfectly contrasts like one of the opening scenes where like Theodore goes into an online chat room and like starts speaking to this like girl and they're like talking to each other about what they want to do to each other. And she's just like, yeah. choke me with that dead cat. <laughs> what that the fuck really was that, what was that even about <laughs> yeah it's great i love yeah. it <laughs> that um that girl um it's played by Kristen wig really she, yeah she's really good in it as well oh very good yeah. i love that it's hilarious it lets you know like early doors what this movie is gonna be you know it doesn't take itself too seriously because it's i guess it's it's not really going for that it's not like this is 100% serious because it's quite a strange concept and all the stuff that happens all the arguments that they get into 
it's like <laughs> this is not an argument that could tangibly exist in the world that we're living in. You know, like he 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 has a go at her because she she makes an exhaling noise. Like you don't you don't need oxygen. Why are you exhaling? And she gets so mad at him. It's like this isn't a conversation that people would be having. But well, this is a conversation that people would be having <laughs> in this situation. Yeah, it it's does, very interesting. It does feel very natural still. But I think a lot of the dialogue feels very, very real. The characters, I think, feel real. The relationships all feel like just like a real relationship. And I think that just kind of goes down to just how like incredible the writing, I think, is. Like, I don't think Spike Jones had ever written the movie by himself, at least not like one that actually got made. And it's like ridiculous how well written the movie is, considering like he hadn't really done it before. Yeah, like, is he okay? Does someone upset him? Yeah, I think it's heavily inspired by his um, divorce from the director Sophia Coppola, who directed mm. um, Lost in Translation. Oh, God. I think a lot of that film's inspired by their relationship. Oh, God. Yeah, I could tell. Like, you could almost do them as like companion pieces. Yeah. That's the, that's the one in Japan, right? Yeah. Also yeah, Scarlett okay. Johansson. Yeah, she's in both. Although that film, I think, was made when they were still married, but it was like towards the end of their marriage. <laughs> Chris Pratt's here as well. Yeah. Mario himself Mar- is in this movie. Yeah. <laughs> With his little Garfield. pedo stash. <laughs> yeah, everyone's got a moustache. But he's very good in it. For, yeah, he is. He is. You know, he's not in it much, but I like that there's always this kind of tension when uh, Theodore reveals to people that he's dating an OS. But when he just says it's Chris Pratt's character, he's like, cool. And then he just goes on to something else. It's like, it doesn't yeah. even matter. Yeah, he like it's like it meant nothing to him. He's just like, Cool. So anyway, when do you want to make it up? It's like yeah. a really great scene, I think. And I love that um, picnic scene where they're all talking. Like they've, like um, Chris Pratt's character and his girlfriend have gone on a date with Theodore and Samantha, and they're just like just sat there chatting about shit. And she's like, Samantha's talking about how she like feels really grateful that she's like not tied to a physical <laughs> body. I think that's yeah. like. Really great conversation there. It is, yeah. He comes out with some really good lines, actually, Chris Pratt. He's saying, like, he really, like, adores Theodore's writing. He's like, you are part man and part woman. That's a compliment. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Maybe it yeah. is. Why not? I think Chris Pratt's actually, like, the perfect pick for that role, to be fair. Because he is, yeah. like, he is really funny when he is given the right material. Oh, yeah. I don't hate him. I just don't think he's like a great action star. That he's, he's, no. he's kind of put himself in now. Yeah, I, I love that scene where he's um on the on the date with um ah oh, some woman I forget her name um, Olivia Wilde. Olivia Wilde. Yes, he's on the date with Olivia Wilde, played by Olivia Wilde, and like it, it kind of they're having a really great time, and then afterwards it kind of shifts where she's like, "Well, you're not just gonna fuck me and not call me like the other guys, right?" Oh. oh. Uh oh, <laughs> that's a red flag. He was like, "Oh fuck!" You could see like in in his eyes. He's like, "Oh fuck's sake!" Um, that's not what you say to someone like after after a date, surely. And then he says, "He's like, well, maybe we shouldn't see each other after this." And then she just like attacks him. He's like, "You're a really creepy dude." 
He says, that's not true. I'm like, oh, f- this poor dude. This is like, that was like a moment where I could tell this is something that he's been faced with before. People are like attacking his character just because of the way he is as, yeah. as a person. It's very sad. Yeah, I felt bad for him. I was yeah. kind of like, oh, you weren't saying that two minutes ago when you were snogging his face off, but here we go. Yeah. It reminded me of like really those, um, you know, like nice guys that are like, oh, I don't want your number anyway, you fat bitch. <laughs> it reminds me of that. Yeah. yeah, I really love um, how the film looks visually. Like they shot it all in Shanghai. Um, oh, okay. And because it like has mm. that very like dreamy kind of almost smoggy sort of look, but it does look very futuristic still. And I think it's like the perfect setting because it it doesn't really look like it. It doesn't look like America, but at the same time, it kind of yeah, do you does. What? I'm glad that you brought that up, right? Because obviously in the film, there's like um, shots of him where he's like in the street and then you can see like um, buildings in the back, but you can still see the signs on them. And I was like, these are not American buildings. Where are they? Yeah. To be fair, there's a lot, a lot of signs and stuff where it's like clearly Chinese writing. Yeah, that's what, yeah. And I also really like the point of saying like where they are though. I like like that haze that kind of permeates over the place because it's like, yeah, yeah, it could be anywhere and like at the rate we're going. Like this is probably what the world's going to look like. So as yeah, technology but- advances, you get like more skyscrapers and everything. Like you know, more neon lights, but you also get this haze, this kind of smog that clouds the places we pollute the the world a bit more. Yeah, it's like sad that that's like just actually how Shanghai looks. Mm. Like sad that there's a place that already looks like that. I think it looks cool. Actually, it looks. It does look cool, but it's also... It's killing people. It's, yeah, yeah, it's no, not I know, yeah, no, I know what you're getting at. I do, yeah. I do. I also love the usage of colours throughout. Like, I think there's a lot of bits mm. where the colours are like obviously very dampened, but there's then it's contrasted by moments where this like incredibly high-contrasted like blues and reds and yellows, and it just looks really, really great. I think Spike Jones does a fantastic job throughout of like using different colours to fit with different moods and different scenes, and like using strong colours during some of the happier scenes, and then when it gets that like, kind of sad or emotional, he like dampens them quite a lot, so they look a lot less colourful. I think it's really, really great. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's what drew me to the film in the first place, was just how bright pink everything was. Yeah, it's very warm. Very warm-looking movie. It's just a nice juxtaposition to the sci-fi we might be used to. It does feel a bit more cold and distant. But this is just about a relationship. Um, so you do need that warmer feel to the movie to kind of <clears throat> ground you in the relationship that's being portrayed. Really good score as well. Really good music. Yeah, I was literally about to say that. What? We we rate in? No. Oh, sorry. So it was really good music. (laughs) Sorry. Yeah. I I misheard. The music's all done by Arcade Fire, and they do an incredible job with the soundtrack. I bloody love Arcade Fire. I think this. I really love Arcade Fire, but I think this score's like the best thing they've done. It's gorgeous. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Saying a lot because Suburbs is one of my favorite albums. But yeah, they do a great job in this film. That the you moon are, song is moon really song. beautiful. Oh yeah, it's really good. Just ukulele and vocals. Uh, it does hits hard. Yeah. yeah, there's um, they released a version on the soundtrack when the film came out where the moon song's like a duet between, um, I think it's Karen O from Yeah Yeah Yeahs and um, 
Ezra Koenig from Vampire Weekend. And that's oh, a really good yeah. version. <laughs> but I don't think it's as good as the Joaquin Phoenix and Scarlett Johansson version. There's something about just the weight of their relationship throughout the movie. And I think like how neither of them are like the best singer in the world and kind of how like raw and real it feels that I think just fits the song really well. Yeah. Especially as like Samantha as an artificial intelligence is writing a song that it feels so you know, it has its mistakes in, in there and it has its kind of uh it's not perfect. Uh I think that's kind of the way the technology is going as well. It is able to replicate uh us as people who are not perfect at all. Um and we do have our foibles, I suppose. Uh or is able to compose this song. You know, it's not a human being that's made it, but it does have those little inflections that I think ground it as to being something just uh, intrinsically more human. Yeah. Something interesting that I found when we were watching it this time uh, that I wanted to bring up is like, previously when I've watched the film, it's like really, really struck me on an emotional level and I've like left the film like feeling... I wouldn't say it's like depressed, but definitely left it feeling sad. But I found going into it after watching Dead Man Letters, which like just made me really, really miserable. This film kind of almost felt like this really wholesome, warm hug. And I've spoken to other people who completely agree that if you watch the movie when you're in a good mood, it just kills you. But if you watch it, if you're in a really, like really depressed, lonely mood, then it it's like it just really makes you feel like so much better i think that's just like a really unique quality to the movie oh i i i love it because i i get what you're saying um i the thing is i've never i don't think i've ever watched it when i've been sad though i just sort of like embraced it for the um the quote unquote what i was talking about earlier like the human experience or whatever i don't know it was really wholesome it kind of reminded me of um the sort of feeling i got about um about time that Mm -hmm. film yeah is sort of that um that like oh i don't know it just left me feeling like kind of like warm inside but also i'm sad but i'm happy but i'm i'm a person and yeah that's I'm how ready. i feel about um maternal sunshine as well which i know you don't feel that at all darcy i well so basically i don't know if i um at the emotional level to handle it because I'm pretty sure I watched it once and it killed my soul. I don't know if I can do it again. Yeah, I was like that when I was like 13, 14 when I watched it, but... I might watch it again. I don't know if I can Mm. handle it though. (laughs) I felt very happy when I left the movie. I thought, yeah, it does feel like a happy ending to me. He's happy at the end, I think. Um, And it's, you know, just after this essential breakup of uh, his relationship with Samantha as she goes off into the ether to, to, to do whatever, you know, become a higher consciousness. She says, like, uh, you know, if, if one day you get there, come and find me. I was like, that's really nice, because it shows, I do think that in in her way, as, as much as she could, she did love him and he did love her, um, you know, but she also was in love with 641 other people. And that was an ouch moment. But it was also like, yeah, that's just like the way she's programmed as well. So it's like, it's not something that she can help. And it's also something that's ever evolving within her programming. I just found it to be very, ever so slightly melancholy, but more so I found it to be quite endearing and wholesome at the end. And I found it to be quite yeah. hopeful. 
yeah, like in the last scene, you kind of like see how much this relationship has done for him, how it's kind of, it's helped him kind of come to terms with his ex and he's kind of like really accepted um, why it was necessary for them to end and he's kind of come to terms with that and is no longer sad about it. He's kind of more happy that now he had, he got to have that experience and kind of Samantha was there to kind of get him through that. That's yeah. something that I personally found very relatable um, through my past relationships. And that's one of the yeah, reasons I, I think it hits with me. I mean, I'm very glad that Max said the word hopeful because that is literally what was going through my mind. I was like, what is this word for when you're ready? You know what I mean? Like you're, you've just accepted it and you're just, you can, you can carry on with high hopes. And I was yeah. just like, what is this word I'm looking for? <laughs> yeah, obviously like the film ends with like a shot of um, him and um, Amy Adams' character sat on this rooftop and like she puts her head on his shoulder and that kind of almost says, well, maybe he's going to move on to her and, you know, things will be all right after all. <laughs> I didn't get I didn't get that. I just got like the whole yeah, like friend maybe, aspect of yeah, it. Yeah, it could be like, that yeah. too. Just confining in a friend. That's what I kind of got from it. Yeah, I feel like they, it's very like open ended. Like it could be like the start of them like finding each other. It could literally just be them being there for each other because they're close friends and they're both sort of in the same position it's like you're not you're not on your own yeah yeah i want to sit on a rooftop with amy adams same <laughs> contemplate life <laughs> sounds like a good time yeah. yeah she was really good as well she i don't think was. amy she's adams really is like just one of the great actors of our time you know she's fantastic yeah i don't love her but I do love her when she's in the right roles yeah. and working with the right directors. Like I think of films like this and Arrival where she's incredible in it, but like yeah. I feel like things like the DC movies are kind of just soured her in my eyes. Well, I mean, they soured everyone in my eyes. <laughs> <laughs> so I was just thinking, I was like, they no one's safe. <laughs> Don't worry. I almost soured Joaquin Phoenix, but no, he was he's just too good for it. Yeah. Well, he was great in Joker, so... Yeah. I mean, yeah, that is true, actually. But you can't say that because then you have to you admit can. that the the incels were right. <laughs> Joker's a good movie. <laughs> Joker's a good movie, yeah. Joker's all right. Yeah. It's got, like, that incel culture that goes with it. I don't know. <laughs> Sorry, I know. <laughs> I just thought I'd bring it up quickly. I mean, that's a shame, but... <laughs> I know, it do. sucks. I do think Joaquin Phoenix is one of the best actors working today. He is. Like, him and Nis, the master and Joker, are like three of my favourite performances like in any film. Like, he's just a really, really terrific, talented guy. Yeah. I really love him. He can melt into any role. Yeah, I'll really see him. thinking that. He's you see like the, the complete opposite of Robert Downey Jr. He's or Tom adaptable. Hanks, where he can yeah. do anything. Yeah. He's a real chameleon. It's great. <clears throat> we like good? when he says, um, uh, what is it? They're like he's talking to Chris Pratt and he like leaves and he turns around and he says, they're just other people's letters. After like, Chris Pratt's like praised him for like how great his writing is and like it brought him to tears. It's like, it's just other people's letters. So yeah, they're not right. His experiences is like, I guess he doesn't really feel like 
he doesn't really feel like a writer himself in that sense, which I found to be quite interesting and perhaps quite relatable as someone who likes yeah. to write a lot. Um, I think, yeah, that's just, I found that to be quite relatable. And just that, that one line, it kind of hit, hit a core with me. They're just other people's letters. He's not actually lived those experiences that he's writing about. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, are we good to get on to ratings? Or have we sure. got anything else to add? What should we rate this like out? Oh. <laughs> Dead cat. Cat? Dead cat. Okay. Are you okay? I feel like you've just like misheard everything Max has said tonight. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie, I could barely hear him at the best of times, but I just roll with it. Okay. Um... <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, this is one of <laughs> my favourite movies ever made. It's so, so beautiful. It's hilarious. It feels very, very personal. And you can tell it's written by someone who's kind of lived a lot of these experiences. And I think it's one of the best romance movies ever made. One that I would highly recommend to anyone who feels lonely, especially like coming out of a breakup. Because um, I feel like it could definitely help people through it. Really beautiful movie. I'm going to give it um, 10 dead cats out of 10. Mm-hmm. Yeah, one of my favourite movies, I think. Probably one of the best movies, but one of the best sci-fi movies, absolutely. Um, love Joaquin Phoenix. Love Scarlett Johansson. Uh, even Chris Pratt was pretty good. Rooney Mara was brilliant. Love her. Um, we don't really get like so much from her, but she she really does pull it out of the bag. She's really good. Um there was one line I, I've, sorry, I got written down. It says, um, if you could find a way to let go of that fear you carry around, you wouldn't feel so alone anymore. And I think that's a good lesson for everyone. And it's also quite uh, in line with, I guess, the themes of the movie. Um, yeah. It was trying to bring a bit more of um, comfort to people. Is trying to tell people that they're not alone in this. But also something I think uh, like the best writers can do is like tell you something about yourself or like something you can truly relate to. This is really that kind of movie for me and I will also give it 10 uh, dead cats out of 10 I was going to say dead kittens I was like bloody hell (laughs) I mean dead cats ain't much better (laughs) (laughs) Um, I was kind of mulling it over whilst um, you two were talking about your ratings and I kind of thought this is um, this kind of goes up there with like Forrest Gump for me and the sort of the experience that I had with it where I like I w- I've watched it many times and I still feel the same every single time I've watched it. Like, that sort of, I'm kind of sad, but I'm kind of happy. I feel like a person. I love the human experience and I'm ready to go do it all over again. It's kind of like that thing. I mean, if you're ready for a wholesome hug, I think this film is it, to be honest. I mean, if you feel like shit, this film is also it. If you're happy, this film is also it. So, uh, 10 dead cats out of 10. Yeah. Awesome. And another one for the books. Another one for the books. And yet again, I stare at the SMM wheel. Yeah, I've had the wheel up on like the side of my screen the whole time, and I just like keep just staring at it as it. Same. Spins. I've literally been looking at the click to spin over and over again. Another marathon to do for the next episode, episode fifty-seven. We're gonna spin the wheel, see what it gives us. Right. I'm nervous. Better be something good. We can't do something long because we don't have oh, enough God. time, unfortunately, this week. <laughs> um, uh, what do we think about this then? The Muppets. What's that? The Muppets, like the Muppet. 
Yeah, but yeah. what what movies? I oh. don't know. We could pick a Muppets movie each, I guess. I forgot to say. What fucking Muppets movies are there? Um, I can only think of two. More than you'd expect there to be. <laughs> oh, actually, no. I could think of at least four. <laughs> um, okay. Should I, Fine, should I yeah. look up the, what Muppets movies we can pick from? Yeah, go ahead. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I can't think this is actually something that we... I probably could, like... Holy Jesus. If you put a gun to my head, I probably could name them all, but I don't feel confident enough to do that. Oh, there's a Muppets mm. 3 coming out. Yeah. So you got the Muppet movie, The Great Muppet Caper, The Muppets Take Manhattan, <laughs> Muppet Christmas Carol, Muppet Treasure Island, Muppets from Space, The Muppets, and Muppets Most Wanted. That doesn't count any like TV or straight-to-DVD films that they did, because most of them suck, especially The Muppets Wizards of Oz. What was that one that we watched, the Haunted House one? That was terrible. Oh, yeah. The Haunted Mansion one from this year. Bloody Sucked. hell. Sucked. Okay, cool. Uh, we'll do the Muppets then. Yes, Thanks, I already know yeah. what I'm picking. Episode yeah. 57, Muppets movies. We'll see. Um, <clears throat> great. Uh, until then, I don't know if you want to start on the, the show yet, but it's going to be season one of Oz on uh, episode 65. That's a few episodes away. I actually completely Ooh. forgot what the show was, so I was like, wait, yeah. what, what are we doing? We looked up the other Yeah, we got off. Yeah, I, I know, Going I just on. completely forgot what the show that came up was. <laughs> it was just gone. I did too, actually. <laughs> so that's that. Uh, we got our social media accounts, YouTube, the Sunday Movie Marathon, Twitter, at Sunday Movie Pod, Facebook, at Sunday Movie Marathon, and Letterboxd, at Sunday MM. Thank you for listening. Come to the end of another episode. And my voice is getting tired now so i'm glad, glad we're at the end because i need need to rest i think any final words guys Na-na. great see you next time <laughs> i'll crump with your sweetie pie <laughs>